Um, I wanted to take here, and what the Become Scholarships are is um, two years ago today, actually, Gordon lost his family and three children in that, and uh, he had um, college scholarship funds set up, and he put those in a uh, fund, in a trust, to be able to provide scholarships for um, kids for many, many years. And, uh, and so the, 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 our church and our board are the ones who are the deciders, and then uh, Gordon is the one who manages the, the account. Is that, am I saying that all? That sounds... Okay, we'll go. Um, and so last year we, was the first year we did this. We gave two scholarships away. Usually get, the, the plan is to give three a year away. And uh, so this year we're giving uh, four away, I guess, to catch up. And, uh, and these are scholarships for $1,000 uh, per student. And there's a lot of criteria. I don't want to go over all of that. There's, there's criteria on the, on the uh, website that tells about the scholarship, um, like uh, uh, coming straight out of high school as a freshman into college, there's more points than, say, later on in college and things like that. And so uh, good grade point averages connected in the church, those kind of things are all, you get more points. And, uh, and so this year we're, we're awarding four scholarships and we want to announce these and Gordon will uh, give these to them as they are here. The first one, she's not here right now. She is at a, um, at a um, internship in somewhere. Oklahoma. She's in an internship in Oklahoma, yes. I looked at her dad and her dad just looked at me like, <laughs> okay, Oklahoma. Uh, Brooke Roberts, she's got the first scholarship. <clears throat> the next scholarship goes to Emily Bottoms. She's here. <clears throat> Emily is a junior, sophomore, junior, sophomore, something like that, I don't know, at uh, University Southwestern Simmons of God University in Texas. And she's home for the summer to take more money from her parents. <laughs> what are you, you're a sophomore? Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I should know this, I'm close to her. Uh, the next one is uh, just graduating, heading to school, Rebecca Shepard. <laughs> we did this first service. Hey, don't, don't go nowhere. Why do I have to say this in both services? Kids. Uh, the fourth scholarship goes to Esmeo Flores. And uh, Sergio, why don't you come up and stand for him, if you would. Come on, you can do this. And uh, this is his father. And uh, he, he's in New Mexico right now. So stay up here. You got to stay here, too. You look sharp today, by the way, Sergio. All right, if you guys would all stand, um, Gordon is going to pray for these students and, uh, and, and just commit this whole thing to God this morning. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have, and uh, we thank you for the dedication and the, the hard work of these students, and, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to reward that hard work. And we know that um, wisdom and knowledge um, that, that those are important things for you, to you, Lord, and, and we just appreciate this opportunity to uh, help the, these students to continue their education. Lord, I just pray that you would protect them and guide them, Lord, that you would uh, watch over them, and that you would minister to them as they minister to others around them, Lord, that you would just bless their education and that you would uh, just, just help them to continue to learn throughout their life, Lord, and, and you would be with them and watch over them. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And also, um, Marcus, you can come get this. I don't, I, I asked Sergio to come here because I know he didn't want to. It didn't dawn on me I could ask Marcus too, but Marcus doesn't, crowds don't bother him. So um, we, this, is, this is a huge uh, benefit in a lot of different ways. It benefits the students, and, and um, you know, obviously financially benefits the students, but these students connected to um, Bruce, Megan, and Scott, and so it, it does something there. You know, you, uh, 10 years from now, we'll be giving it to students that don't know who these three kids are. 
That's just reality. Um, but it still benefits us as a people, as a church, and, uh, and it benefits Gordon. And so we want to make sure that, that we, can, we stay consistent with this. This is a, a great gift that Gordon is giving uh, to these students. And so it's just huge. And, and being a father of one of the recipients this year, $1,000 is huge for school. Huge. That's, a, that's an understatement. And so, so we always want to thank uh, Gordon for this. We always want to just thank that the church and everybody that's involved with this. So, so we're going to um, be looking at Father's Day. We do have VBS coming up this week. You guys know that. It's going to be crazy around here. Uh, we, we do like it. It's, it's awesome. It's fun. It's wonderful to see the parents, see the kids, all the stuff that's going on. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Krista is going to need some more help. I don't know how much help she has, but I know she's going to need more help. She's been here, what, three weeks now, so she's probably got it all figured out, but, uh, but we definitely want it. So if you're thinking about jumping in, please, please consider uh, jumping in and helping and doing something. If nothing else, just corralling kids and, and, uh, and some of that. So, so this, is, um, <clears throat> this is Father's Day. That's pretty cool, huh? I, I love Father's Day. I love, there's something about... Um, there's something about this. I mean, this is not a negative toward Mother's Day, but I'm not a mother. It doesn't feel the same. Uh, but I am a father, and to me, and I know many of you guys would say the same thing, being, the, being a father is literally the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, there, is, there is nothing that comes close. I mean, my salvation, my marriage, that's, those are, that's who I am. And then there's this thing that happens to me that's called fatherhood. That, um, that's, that's, it's it's the, for me, it defines me. I don't know how to, to say that. I've accomplished things in my life, but to me, they mean nothing in comparison to just being a dad and just having kids and, and, uh, and then getting to do the things that fathers do and try to raise them and try to do all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, it it's truly is the greatest gift. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that some. We're going to talk about uh, what it means to be a father some. I want to I start in Mark chapter 15. This, is, this, this scripture... Is a, is a springboard for me. Mentally, this is where I'm going. This scripture is the reason that I'm going the direction I'm going this morning with this. But this scripture literally doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, it actually doesn't have anything to do with my message. But it's a great scripture for me in my head to get me going. So you'll see maybe why here in a second. Mark chapter 15, verse 21. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. This is when Jesus is carrying the cross, and he's, he's, uh, they've beat him, they've done all this stuff, and he's carrying the cross to Golgotha to be hung on that cross. Just then, the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, this is, this is interesting to me that you get these two boys mentioned in the year. Now, um, the Ruf, there's a guy named Rufus mentioned in, mentioned in Romans, mid, mid part of Romans, like um, 7 or 8 or something like that. That uh, it's, it's interesting to me. I think this is potentially the same Rufus. Okay? Now, you say, well, that, what are the odds of that? The odds are not very good, except there's a few reasons why I think. And the biggest reason I think that this potentially could be the same Rufus as later is because they're mentioned here. I know that sounds like, what? That's your reason? Because we see the name Alexander and Rufus mentioned here, why would the two boys' names be mentioned unless there's some significance somewhere later in Scripture? It would have just said two boys. If, they, if they never, we never see them again, we never do anything with them, there's another, then usually they don't get named. It just says the, a guy or, or this man or whatever. But the reason I think it names these two boys is because it's the same Rufus that's mentioned later. As being, and, and when he's mentioned later, Paul is talking about his relationship with God, and, and he's got this great relationship with God. He's a good, good um, leader in the church and all this other kind of stuff. Now, regardless of whether I'm right or wrong about that, um, here's what I know. For the rest of time, Alexander and Rufus can say, yeah, um, you, you remember that guy that carried Jesus' cross? That was my dad. Right? That's, that literally is the only reason I'm mentioning this scripture is because it makes me think about that. Well, yeah, that's my dad. You ever had something good or bad happen and you're like, yeah, that's, I know that person. Yeah, that's so-and-so, whatever the case is. Right? I, I remember there was... Um, there was an air show in, in Texas uh, a handful of years ago, maybe a, a 10 years ago. And um, these were, there was a bunch of World, World War II vintage planes uh, out there at the air show. And uh, Linda's grandfather, who had been on one of those planes, 
um, I think it was the B-24, maybe in the 26, but I think it was B-24. He was on, on that in World War II, and he was a gunner. And he's walking around. People are giving tours and doing all this kind of stuff, and he's standing there looking at that plane. And somebody said, one of the, the tour people said something about the plane. He says, no, that's not how it worked. And, there, and he's like, the guy says, well, do you, how do you know? Have you ever been on? Yeah, I was on that in World War II. Now, there was like 200 people standing there. Nobody cared about the other guy now. They're like, sir, could you tell us how that? So he literally took these people in the plane, to, walked around, talked about it. And uh, Linda's uh, father talked about how he was, he was just proud. He's like, yeah, that's my dad. That's my dad. Um, he, he passed away a few years after that. But just, a, just an amazing guy. Just, a, just, you know, that World War II generation, there's something cool about him, right? Just different different than everybody else. They went through some crazy stuff in, in, in crazy circumstances for us. There's something about being able to say, yeah, I knew that guy. That guy's my friend. That guy's my, my family, my, my, my father, whatever the case is, that I knew that guy. We have this opportunity. Now, here's something interesting about uh, fathers. Fathers leave a legacy with their kids. Regardless of whether they're good or bad, they leave legacy with their kids. And you can't get away from that. Some of you even here, in here have examples um, of fathers that were not good examples. Some of you have you know, examples where your father left when you were a kid. You haven't seen him again. I mean, I, I talk with people all the time about that. Some of you have great legacy from your fathers. But, but either way, you have a legacy from your fathers. And this is, this is where I'm trying to go with this is when, when you think about your father or, and here's the bigger one, you, when your children, fathers, when your children think about you, what do they think of? What the, in their head, what defines that? When you think of your father right now, what do you think? How is that defined for you? Um, is, is, is it good, bad? For me, I've got both. I've got good and bad. Um, there, and I think for a lot of people, that's the, kind of the way it goes. Very rarely do you come across somebody that it's, that it's you know, all good, maybe all bad. I've heard that, but all good, it's impossible. When you're around somebody for their whole life, you're gonna, there's going to be bad involved. But it's interesting, the older you get, the easier it is for some of that to go away, right? And you remember the stuff. Now, here's something that, for me, um, when my, my wife uses this as a pejorative term. Sometimes she'll look at the kids and say to them, you're just like your dad. <laughs> and uh, I don't think she's ever said it that's, that had a nice connotation to it. Right? When it comes to that, it's a negative thing. Now, when I hear that, I'm like, and they are blessed? They, they, should, they should thank me for all this kind of stuff? But here's the worst one that Linda does <laughs> to me is when she says, she just looks at me and says, Gary? Guess who Gary is? My dad. She just looks at me and says, Gary? I'm like, it's on, you know. Because very rarely does, very rarely does she say that in a positive sense. Keep it quiet over there. I know. All right, so I want you to think for just a minute, and then we're going to jump into this. When you think about, we can put it in categories. When you think about a father, what do you think? When you think about your father, what do you think? And if you're a father, when you think about yourself as a father, what do you think? What comes to your mind? What, what, there's, we, 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 we did this a few uh, weeks ago with our 20-somethings. We had a little question and answer thing. So if you could go back to any time in your life and tell yourself something or change something yourself. And most everybody there said, well, I wouldn't change anything. And I thought about this a lot later. And I thought to myself, it's because they haven't been a parent long enough. Because they all said, no, I wouldn't want to change anything. And I understand that. You don't want to miss it. But it, the, the, all the things that I could go back and change in life, they all have to do with parenting. Every one of them, none of them have to do with, with just life in general or mistakes I made. I wish I could change some of that, but not, you know, not majorly. But parenting mistakes. Times when I wish I could go back and tell my kids, you know what, your dad's being an idiot right now, okay? <laughs> you were agreeing because you've been there. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. That guy's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. What do you think? What do you think in your head when you think about dad? 
father, that kind of stuff. Um, I, 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 I mean, I could have, like at lunch today, I could have my kids tell me what they think about me or whatever. But, you know, that's not really, long term, that's not, that's not it really. It's, you know, 20 years after I'm dead and gone and how they're thinking. Right? What is that going to be? Okay, so Proverbs chapter 1. Here's something interesting. Solomon starts this out, and he's writing this, and, and he starts first talking to children, and I, I assume it's his children, but I think it's a little bit bigger. I, it's not for sure exactly. I think he's using children as, a, as just a, a, an open-ended term that means all you know, people, my children, because he's the king kind of thing. But I think it includes his children, I would assume. But verse 1, it says, My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. And look at this. He says, for I too was once my father's son. Who's his father? King David. This is cool. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me. Doesn't that interest you? You're, you're sitting there at dinner and Solomon, King Solomon, why is this? The person that's ever lived, he goes, you know what, let me tell you something my dad said to me once. The fact first that it's Solomon, wisest guy ever, I go, I want to know this. Second thing is the fact that I know his father was King David. I want to know what he's got, what are words of wisdom that King David handed down to Solomon. How huge is this? Now here's the thing, We're, I'm going to only read a little few of these later on, Okay. But chapter 4, 5, and 6 are all stuff that David told Solomon. Cool stuff. I, I would read through them. Get, get the chapters out this evening and, and just read through them. Especially if you're a dad, read through them. This is, this is one of the greatest kings ever telling one of the greatest kings and wisest kings ever how, uh, father stuff. That's pretty cool in my opinion. He says, my father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. We have three amazing fathers that we're going to glean from this morning. And I'm going to introduce them to you one at a time, and I need you guys to clap for them like the rock stars that they are. <laughs> and, uh, and so, first one up, uh, the dancing machine, Patrick David. He really is a dancing machine. I'm not kidding about that. He's won competitions. He's won competitions here in Colorado Springs for dancing. You think I'm joking? No. No? All right. He has. I'm not kidding. That uh, true motorhead knows everything about motorcycles and cars, Pat Neely. And last, and probably least, I don't know, is, um, okay, so Pat sat in the wrong place. He's the second microphone. All right. So uh, the third guy is an amazing man of wisdom, stature, an all-around nice guy, Jeff Alexander. All right, so here's what we're going to do. These guys, got, we, he, these guys got this information ahead of time, so they have thought, thought through this, and um, I was pretty impressed with most of their answers, most of their answers in uh, first service. But here's what we're going to do. We've got a, a few questions that we are going to get information from. So going, starting with uh, Pat going down the line, the first one is advice about discipline. Uh, advice about discipline. Uh, I, uh, my favorite scripture about discipline, and you may not agree with me, but uh, here it is anyway. It's uh, Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. <laughs> if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Uh, we live in a, in a culture that's... Uh, 
uh, in our modern age, we consider ourselves uh, answers to everything. Man has kind of decided, you know, we know all the answers. And uh, I'm a little older than these other guys, but uh, I've been in the business of uh, communications forever. And the thing that comes to my mind is the speed of electricity. You know, we knew everything about that in the 60s. <laughs> Boy, have we changed everything since then. And everything in communications has changed. So, But the world still tries to convince us in this modern age that they uh, know all the answers. And uh, if you look at uh, the way our culture in the United States has changed, it's uh, amazing because it's... Uh, follows a pattern of many other cultures in the world that have failed. And, uh, you know, we come up with things like uh, takes a village to raise a child and other silliness like that. That's not true. We've tried to remove the father from the family, and uh, it's been devastating on the culture in the United States. And we're starting to see that. Well, what do we do? Do we break it before we understand it? I think we did in that respect. But uh, I think the father is really important, and especially on the discipline part of it. Because uh, if you start when they're little, disciplining, and you don't have to hit them with a rod particularly, but, you know, give them discipline, uh, it makes a difference. And I think that's obviously missing from our culture. And uh, the other thing is if you don't discipline them when they're little, I'll guarantee you they're going to embarrass you. And if uh, you haven't seen that, uh, you're doing a good job. But uh, my first son, Nathan, I uh, expected him to be perfect in every aspect. I was way too hard on him. But, you know, uh, the only time he embarrassed me was uh, one time in church he went to the bathroom and he came back and he forgot to tear the toilet paper off in the bathroom and it was a small church and he brought it all the way up the aisle and uh, they will embarrass you <laughs> anyway but without discipline they'll really embarrass you so uh, that's my views on discipline that you need to start early you need to be consistent you need to be wise uh, you need to not be overcorrected but you you need to start amen Good. All right. So uh, I'm Jeff. I've uh, got four kids and been married 28 years. So um, not as old as him, though. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. It's that, it's that gray hair that you kids give us now. So uh, discipline. Uh, I'm going to start with a scripture. Uh, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's a huge scripture. You know, it's really important. And, uh, you know, for me, and I'll get into the discipline in just a second, but, you know, my dad led me to the Lord uh, when I was five years old. <clears throat> and even, even at, at that young age, you know, I was thinking, you know, my parents are saved. They're going to church. We're all doing this. And I was thinking that I was saved because they were saved. Anybody ever thought that? You know? And so, but it came to realization that I had to have a personal relationship with Christ myself. And so I remember it's a great memory uh, of my dad praying with me uh, on the boat, matter of fact. Uh, it was just a great moment, you know, and I received God that way, and it was awesome. Um, another memory of my dad that leads into the discipline is, you know, before texting, uh, you know, dads had these different things like, uh, like my dad had a whistle. He could whistle really, really loud. And so if we're out in the neighborhood, we're playing with the kids and stuff, when he whistled, we knew it was time to come home because if we didn't, we'd get the rod, brother. We'd get beat, right? <laughs> Not really, but, but so some of you, uh, hey, guys over here, I got spanked with a fishing pole, just so you know, fishing pole, okay? So <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, my dad was a Marine, so when I grew up, uh, the home that I grew up in was, was pretty tough. Um, he ruled with an iron fist, uh, pretty angry home. And so that's, that's all I knew. And so when I got married and we had kids and, uh, that's kind of how I did things, you know, uh, I'd lose my temper and, and, and get upset and, uh, and, and spank pretty hard sometimes. Um, 
uh, not as hard as he did, but pretty, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. But over the years, you know, and, and, and following Christ, you know, that, that discipline has changed. And, uh, one of the things that, that we did do is we went through a, um, a book by James Dobson. It's called Growing Kids God's Way. And I don't know if you ever heard that, but any, any parents, any young parents, old parents, whatever, read the book. Cause it's really, really good. It has a lot of good things. Um, but what I want to say to the fathers is you can manage your house and you can discipline and you can do it with love. You, you can do it with love. You, you don't have to bring the wrath uh, upon your kid. <clears throat> but you do have to be firm uh, with, with your young person and make sure that they understand um, that. So discipline is definitely important. The other part of discipline I want to say uh, uh, for, the, for the, well, I want, to read a, I want to read another scripture. And this is for the young people in the room. Um, Hebrews twelve eleven. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So that's my encouragement to you guys. You know, sometimes it's tough to get disciplined. But the reward is definitely great. And the other thing on discipline I want to say to the kids is, is be disciplined in prayer and reading the word and listening to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will come along. But seek him first. That's the most, most important thing. Good stuff. I like it. Okay. My thing about discipline, um, number one, minimum necessary force. So, is that okay? Um, not, done in, not, not done in anger, um, but done knowing that they know that they've done something wrong. They know the consequences of what they've done wrong, and we carry out that. What we, um, what we ignore or tolerate is what we condone. So, we can't do that. Um, I, I told a little story, and I'll tell it again. Um, about one of my favorite cop shows. Um, cop and his rookie cop go up to this house. It's a, a disturbance. And eh, probably about an eight-year-old kid had called the cops on his mom because his mom had spanked him because he skipped school. So um, the senior officer on, on scene is really interested in the kid's story. He's like, what happened? And you called us, why? And the kid's got the belt in his hand, and she spanked, she spanked you with this belt right here, kind of acting like he was going to side with the kid. Um, but as soon as he gets all the information, he takes the belt from the kid, hands it to the mom, and says, go ahead and hit him again. <laughs> so basically saying, hey, you got what you deserved. You did something wrong. You got punished. Your um, kids on the playground that told you that's child abuse were absolutely wrong. You're fine. And if I get called back out here, I'm probably going to bend you over and, and paddle you as well. So... It, it's a, it's a pretty good little clip um, from a show that I used to watch. Uh, but that's what it is. Um, it's never done in anger. It shouldn't be done in anger. Um, but it's done to discipline. The discipline is not any more enjoyable for the parents as it is for the kids. It's probably worse for the parents than it is for the kids. Um, I remember getting spanked a couple times. And I, I don't think I got spanked hard enough because I was always trying not to laugh um, and, and trying the fake tears um, to make sure that my parents knew, hey, yes, I get it. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, but the other thing is, is when your kids get older, you really have to have those conversations with them of, okay, you messed up. What did we learn? Why is that not going to happen again? And not only is it not going to happen again because it's against the rules, but what would Jesus, what would Jesus think about that? Or what would God think about that? Is, that? is that what the Bible condones? Is that what we should be doing? And bringing it around to that. So, I don't, I don't think Patrick got spanked by my dad. You wouldn't be laughing. Uh, something I think about discipline, too, I think it's good to instruct the child on exactly, I mean, they've all said, you know, little versions of this, but exactly what they're getting disciplined about. And something I think is important, too, sometimes, is to make sure the child understands the difference between something that has displeased you and something that has displeased God. These are, these are major differences. Um, not cleaning your room displeases you, and you discipline your child for that, and you should. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but something like lying, it's important, I think, to explain to the child, this is a sin. 
God's not okay with this. And in fact, maybe even something along the lines of, it's better that I discipline you for this than God do it. Right? This is a sin uh, to explain that to, to kids also in the process. And something interesting, I throw this out all the time, so this isn't like new information, but the scripture that, that um, Pat read out of uh, Psalms 23, uh, to use the rod, the rod won't kill them. My mother used to tell me this when I was a kid. This is why God made your butt soft. <laughs> so we could whip it. I was like, there you go. I had no idea. I should write that down. God, give me a, a butt to be whipped. So, um, but here's something I think is important. Every generation, every generation, it's like they have to start all over and figure all this out. And I know because I was a generation some time ago that started parenting and had to figure it all out. And, you know, we think we know everything. We have to start all over. But here's something. I know there's a lot of stuff out there. And everybody comes out. Every generation has their new advice for parents and specifically in discipline and things like that. There is, you know, be creative with discipline. Use discipline. Discipline the, the, something in, in relationship to the, to the event itself, you know. Be creative on that. But it's interesting because I always hear this in parents constantly, year after year after year after year, new parents. Well, I'm not going to spank my children. And then they've got a handful of reasons why they don't want to spank their children. Be careful with that thought process because spanking is the only one mentioned in Scripture. So if you say, well, I don't think uh, it, you should spank, and these are the reasons, check that out with God because he's the one who said spanking was actually necessary. Not good or important, but necessary. So be careful when you start hedging that against the creator of everything. Um, he created us, and he created the idea of discipline, and God said spank kids. So, I mean, if you still come up with the conclusion, well, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I get that. Do what you need to do, but be careful because God said it, not another human. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb and say, if you're going to have to choose between two disciplines, go with the one God says first. That's just a suggestion. Okay. Guys, advice about money. Let's go start with you, Jeff. All right, so uh, question for you young people. Where does money come from? <laughs> Not from your parents. <laughs> money comes from hard work, work ethic. So one, one thing my dad taught me really well was just about work ethic, working hard, doing a good job, finishing the job. And, uh, and just not quitting, really. And so through my career uh, of what I do in being in the car business, I'm not a salesman, but I, I work in parts and service. And <clears throat> I've worked my way up, you know, through the ranks of all the different positions that you could get. And uh, it came through that. And so um, my advice about money is work hard and, you, and, you'll, and, you, and the Lord will bless you. Do your work as unto the Lord, right? That's what the Word says. Um, but the other thing I want, I want to talk about, about money, is there was a time, there's many different stories, but this is just one that stuck out to me. There was a time when our refrigerator went out at the house, and so we were looking at a refrigerator, and we were trying to decide which one to get, and there was one that we really, really liked, and there was one that, you know, maybe we could, you know, maybe we could afford that one. Couldn't really afford that one. And so we prayed about it, and then uh, we she really wanted, uh, Stephanie really wanted this refrigerator, and it was about $1,800. It was really nice. And so um, we prayed about it, and, but we didn't really have the money. We didn't want to finance it, go into debt for it, and uh, the Lord provided the money. We got a check in the mail for exactly the amount that we needed for that refrigerator. And the reason that happened was because we were obedient to the word of tithing. And, and placing our tithe and, and doing that. And not only just the tithing, but giving. You know, over the years we've sponsored children and we've given and, and the Lord's prompted, you know, even sometimes when money was tight, you know, hey, go ahead and give. And when you do that, the Lord will bless you, you know. The Word says uh, he's never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. So, in other words, teach your kids the same thing, and they'll, they'll reap, uh, you reap what you sow, right? And then save some money, you know, save, save get a bank account, get, 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 do some investing and things like that, and uh, 
but the big thing is just tithing. All right. Um, to add on what Jeff said, you know, the big thing, work ethic. Um, for my boys, you're going to be the provider for yourself, for your wife, for your kids, and to go out there and work hard and, and work for, for what you need to do um, to support your family. Um, the other thing um, I would say is be generous, and I don't think I brought this up in the first service, but I always ask, the kids have been going to youth camp or kids camp for several years, and I always ask them when they come back, how much do you put in the offering? Um, I'll, I'll give kudos to Shane here. It's always like more than half of what we send them with, um, and that's been typical, and sometimes it's like way more than half. Um, all the other ones, I think at least give 10%. Right, Vance? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> but but, but um, to be generous. Um, I will give kudos to Vance. I said, hey, are you going to buy me a cup of coffee at Come and Go for Father's Day? Um, and he did, and I think he, he gave me that from the money that I gave him from camp. But <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you giving me that dollar back for, for the cup of coffee. Um, um, but be generous. Um, and then... And then just live within your means, live within a, a budget, make a budget, um, and stick with it. I, I will tell you right now, I guess the way that I look at it is I don't need a, I don't need a big fancy house, I don't need a big fancy car, um, but I want my cars paid off, and I want my house paid off as quick as I can. So I hope they, they see that, that the cars we drive are 10, 15 years old, and there's a reason for that. That's the way we can spend money where, where it needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Money. I, uh, I want to go back to Proverbs 23 again. I, I think everything on the list here can be answered in Proverbs 23. And uh, like Scott said, Solomon's a pretty wise guy. So, uh, But if you go to Proverbs 23, 4, it says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to detest when your eyes light on it, well, I don't have all the rest of it. Anyway, it says, do not toil to acquire wealth. The reason that strikes home for me is I, uh, I grew up on a 9,000-acre on a ranch in the great American desert of eastern Colorado, and it was a lot of work. Uh, my dad was very driven. Uh, we moved out there when I was eight years old. He had worked at the Gazette Telegraph uh, as an advertising manager and had gone up through the ranks. And, uh, man, he was a go-getter. He about wore me out. We went out there, and it was just him and me and my two sisters and my brother and my mother. And uh, that's a lot to take care of. And I remember my older brother telling him, you know, our neighbor goes to church on Sunday. Can't we go to church on Sunday? Uh, and uh, at least take that day off. And if we don't go to church, can we at least stay home and watch football? You know, my dad would always say, no, we got to get done. Uh, I think that we can overdrive ourselves trying to get wealth. But I think a key part of this, it's already been mentioned, is paying tithes. I know in my early life, I... Uh, became a Christian when I was 21 years old, so I'd already been in the working world for a while and uh, didn't think we could possibly afford to pay tithes. Well, it took them a little while for me to come around, and when I started paying tithes, my world changed. I always had enough money to do what I needed to do, and just like Jeff's example, I, I've had those things happen to me. Um, I bought a new motorcycle, and my wife was not happy about it. And she told me that every time she would take clothes from the kitchen to go hang them on the line, when we were first married, we didn't have a dryer, to hang them on the line, she'd walk through the garage and walk by that Husqvarna, and she said, you know, there was an ax hanging on the wall, and I just really wanted to work that motorcycle over. <laughs> I thought, well, I better start praying. And I was working for a moving and storage place, and uh, this lady wanted us to get rid of her, her dryer because she couldn't take it with her. And I made her an unbelievably low offer, and she took it. That's just one example of many, many, many things the Lord has done so I can keep my motorcycles. <laughs> and uh, I, 
I really appreciate God taking care of me. And I really appreciate the way that ties work. So pay ties. That's uh, my key to success with it money. You know, I've thought about this a lot over the years with money when it comes to kids. And partly because, you know, I look up my uh, family tree. I, look, I go up the branches, and I look at how they've done different things over the years. And, um, and I wonder if my kids turn out the way I turn out when it comes to money, will that be a good thing or a bad thing? You should process that. Will that be good or bad? Um, I, I, and here's something else I think is kind of interesting when it comes to, to uh, children. How, how many have more than one child? Raise your hand. Okay, here, here's an interesting thing that you already know. None of your children look at money the same. They just don't. They don't look at finances the same. They don't look at, don't look at anything the same. My, my oldest son is very um, uh, very particular about finances. And part of, part of it also because, you know, he's married, has a child. That changes a lot of things, right? All of a sudden you have a child, and that changes the way you look at money. But he's, he's kind of uh, focused about money and puts money in savings and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he, he teaches his wife. I don't like it when he uses that term. But he teaches his wife about money and stuff like that. But... Um, my second child, Isaac, he doesn't look at money the same way. Um, money doesn't mean the same to him. It doesn't have, it's something he can do stuff with. Um, very giving person. In fact, he gives a lot of things to a lot of people. He's building his brother a computer. His brother doesn't like that because he doesn't want to take anything from his younger brother financially. Total different mentalities, you know. Uh, Emily's very, um, very OCD about money. Very uh, has a little bit of edge of fearfulness, which is okay, I think, but can hurt hurt you if you're not careful. But she she borrowed five dollars from me like when she was ten or something. For the next week, she was begging me, Dad, can I wash the car? Can I do this? What? How can I? I need to pay that money back. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you. I didn't give a stipulation. You didn't have to pay it back the next day. Uh, but she just about that, and she's very uh, frugal and very focused about her uh, school bill and stuff like that. So your kids are different. So the, the reason I'm saying that is you need to teach them differently. You need to figure out how your kids interact and operate. Uh, which ones are the spenders? Talk to them about that. Which ones are the, are the, um, you know, the hold George Washington by the throat? You need to talk to them about that. None of those things are good. In our, in our family, I'm the spender. Linda's not really. Um, she's learned well over the years. Uh, she's gotten better, but um, she's not a spender. She was, she's, she was always very frugal, and she's, she spends more now. I've always been the one. I don't even look at the price. I, don't, I, I know this is a horrible thing, but if I go inside, I'm like, ooh, I want that. I never look at the price. Because Linda asked me, how much was that? How much was what? That thing you bought. I just walked out of the store with it. I gave him my card. I walked out of the store. I don't know how much it was. Um, different people are different, right? So you've got you to figure this out. How do you teach your kids? How do you do this? But here's the biggest thing. They're always going to follow your example. They're always going to follow your example. All right, next one. Advice about relationships with the opposite sex. Start with you, Patrick. All right. Well, my oldest is 14, and, and really my 14 and my 12-year-old son, who's my youngest son, are the ones i got to watch out for more than anything else. Um, I found that out during camp when my 12-year-old was telling me that his 14-year-old brother stole the girl that he wanted to um, <laughs> hang out with. So... He wanted to tell her he was 13, so it didn't look like it was too much of an age gap. Um, but anyway, so that's, those are those conversations. I've had conversations with my boys um, about what they need to do um, in relationships. Number one, treat members of the opposite sex with, with respect, whether that's in social media, through text, in person. We always treat them with respect. You have to set boundaries on what those boundaries are and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, thanks to Brett Favre, I do have to mention that, hey, no naked pictures get sent from your phone or you shouldn't be receiving any pictures to your phone um, of anything like that. So Brett Favre may have been a great football player, probably not great when we're talking about a role model for sexuality for kids, but that gets out there in the media. Yeah. They know about this stuff. You have to be that specific. You can't just say, hey, this is kind of the, some things you need to go. You need to go into specifics and details and make those boundaries and set them. Um, I do want my um, boys to listen to what um, Jeff has to say about dating because I think I'm going to go ahead and take that over. So I appreciate that, that, little, that little glimpse of wisdom there. I appreciate that. Um, 
for my daughter, um, I basically told her, hey, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and be married to Jesus and be a nun in France? I'm good with that. Um, but we have those conversations, too, on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And she's my youngest. Um, but you have to have those conversations. You have to be honest with them. You have to tell them, hey, these are things you're going to be taken care of. Um, or these are things that you're going to be confronted with. Um, and this is how you should be dealing with them spiritually um, and within God's word. Patrick, uh, I think you're talking about Catholicism and a nun, aren't you, with your daughter? <laughs> Wait, what else should it be? Is, is there anything else? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be passed at with my daughter. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, I think the answer to all the questions that he's asking tonight uh, or today or again are in Proverbs 23. And uh, if you want to turn there, it's verse 27 because you're going to have to turn there, because I'm not going to read that one to you. But anyway, uh, advice is in there for all of us on everything. And as far as relationships with the opposite sex, you know, again, our culture has evolved into this idea that we're just like animals, you know. Humans are just like animals, and what a lie that is. Uh, there's so many emotions involved in every type of relationship you have, uh, even if it's with your neighbor. Uh, and we're not animals, we're humans. So uh, snap out of it. You know what I mean? I, I read that stuff and it just drives me crazy uh, how they uh, compare us to animals. We're not animals. And, and uh, you should respect the, others, the opposite sex, absolutely. I, uh, I met my wife when I was uh, 17 years old and she was 16. And uh, we got married when we were... Uh, 18 and 19, and uh, I knew she was the one. Uh, I went to college and tried to convince myself she wasn't the one. It didn't work out for me. She's still the one. And God kept that relationship pure all the way until we got married, and I, 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 I wasn't even a Christian. I don't know how God did that, but I praise him for it. And uh, it's important because emotions are important. Uh, and relationships uh, with the opposite sex. Uh, don't discount emotions, and, and teach your kids to look for that too. Uh, don't give anything away uh, that you're going to regret later. Uh, some things you can only give away once, and uh, so be careful with your relationships, and try to communicate that with your kids, and be thankful that you're sitting in a church and you're Christians because you got the Bible to help you. Uh, we didn't, and we made it through it somehow anyway. Uh, praise God. So that's all I got to say about that. All right. So um, one of the things, uh, God, there's so much to talk about on this subject, right? Um, especially this day and age like you were talking about, I mean, with the Internet and all that entails. Uh, as parents, we really have to, much to our children's dismay, we have to follow up, find out what they're looking at, because it, it can start so, so early. I mean, somebody, I think you were talking about starting it early. Who was saying that? About three years old or something? Was that you? Yeah. Um, and it's so, it's so important that we're, that we're involved, you know, in what they're doing as far as that goes. But... Um, so for my kids, I told them uh, early on um, when they were young that we, we didn't want to do we didn't want dating we didn't want any dating going on. So so they knew that we pre warned them you know and let them know that that was kind of our stance and what we wanted to do. But we had to set clear boundaries. You know we have to teach our kids how to set clear boundaries, um, and they can be friends and all that kind of stuff and dating groups go out and have, you know play mini golf or whatever. And, uh, and do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. And that uh, matter of fact, I think it's great. Um, and it just it keeps the temptations down because, as we know, you know, uh, teenagers, the hormones are flaring, you know what I mean? And so um, as parents, we really have to help guide them uh, with those emotions and, and how, to, how to manage that. But even as a, as a father, you know, as a, uh, I've set, always set clear boundaries uh, in my workplace, uh, making sure that, that uh, you know, no accusations could ever be made, 
uh, in in certain areas. Obviously, it's because it's important. Once the accusation's made, you're you're pretty much done for. So true or not true, but um, even as when I Stephanie and I were youth pastors, we set very clear boundaries um, on how we handled uh, you know issues with talking with students and and all that. So anyway, that that's really a, a big deal. Um, but I will say uh, end with this, and I, I just want to say for you young people that that God has somebody for you already. And one of the things as parents, we, we pray in that way, Lord, I know you have somebody for them. Let it be the right one. And so, you know, as a, as a teenager, as a grown, you know, 18-year-old or older, you know, uh, I was looking for a wife, obviously. So I'm dating and, and different things like that. And so I had some advice, and this will kind of lead into the next one, which is wisdom. But I had listened to the advice of one of my pastors, and he said, hey, why don't you stop? Because I was just talking about my frustration. And he said, why don't you just stop dating and, and seek the Lord? And I'm like, wow, what a, what a novel idea, right? What a smart thing to do. So I did that. I laid it down for about a year and, and prayed and just wasn't, wasn't even trying, you know, and, uh, and just working on my relationship with God and things. And so uh, then one day Stephanie appeared there she was, and I knew right then that was she's the one. And uh, so, twenty-eight years later, and four kids—it's—it's it's a great—it's a great thing. Um, some some basic things about relationships and members of the opposite sex. I do like the, what Jeff was saying about dating. You know, this is something that I, I think our society has continued to move in a direction. The dating becomes more and more dangerous on a regular basis. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a boyfriend girlfriend. Do these things in groups. Hang out with parents. Do this kind of stuff. Because what dating does is it takes them specifically when we put all the influence from TV, movies, and stuff like that. If you go on a date in a movie, you're going to have sex. That's a guarantee. That's the, that's the norm. And so how, how do we say to the teenagers, even though you can say it with your voice, you, everything else in their life is saying this is how you act, this is what you do, these kind of things. And what dating does is it puts kids, t- literally kids, in adult situations, here's something that Jeff said that I, 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 you don't think about this, but as a pastor, I do not uh, interact with females alone. Okay, I don't. Um, if, if, a, if a female comes into my office, I'm saying I, under certain parameters, if a female comes to my office, I do not close the door. I don't care how difficult your information is. If you want the door closed, we're going to ask another woman in the office, um, Allison or now Krista or something. We'll ask somebody else in there. I do not meet with women by myself. I, I, I haven't. I don't. Um, I don't go places with women by myself. Um, Linda, the same with men. We don't do this. We didn't do this with teenagers when I was a youth pastor because of all the details. Now, here's something that's interesting. But then we send teenagers with hormones raging uh, out by themselves. Why do we do that? I think that sometimes rethinking the concept of dating and stuff like that might be very beneficial for the, the child. You say, well, how old is a child? Well, I've got a 20-year-old, and I don't know where the line is yet. Right? Okay, probably 20 is an adult. But <laughs> I don't think 16 or 17 is an adult. Teenagers think it is, but I don't think it is. Why? Because I know it's not. I think we should think about some of this kind of stuff and really think about sexuality and how invasive it is in, in society today, how to keep our kids safe. There's nothing wrong with kids going out with other kids, a group of 10 of them. Or if you're my kids, they always wanted mom and I to go with them. So our kids are strange. All right, advice about wisdom. Let's start, Pat. He's the oldest. <laughs> That's a test for the uh, sound booth there. Did you get it? <laughs> hey, uh, okay, wisdom. Uh, you know, the Bible's full of wisdom. Uh, my favorite uh, book to read about wisdom is Ecclesiastes. I, uh, I can relate to Solomon. There's a lot of things that I, I didn't learn until I broke it many times. And uh, if you read... Uh, Ecclesiastes, and you pay attention, you can maybe skip some of those unpleasant uh, learning experiences. So I think God's Word's been excellent for me for wisdom. 
And uh, I, I remember a lot of things that my dad said. Uh, he was a Christian later in life, but I remember a lot of things out there working uh, together when it's just him and me that he said, you know, things like uh, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And, um, you know, you'd be a pretty good mechanic if you put down half the junk you carry around in your hands, half the tools and stuff you carry around in your hands, stuff like that. Uh, I learned from my dad, and I, I'm thankful for that. But uh, what I learned in Ecclesiastes is uh, much more inclusive of life. And uh, I praise God for God's word, and I think that's uh, the key to uh, gaining wisdom is God's word. That's all I got to say. Jeff's up. Jeff, you're up. All right, all right. So wisdom. You know, I was just thinking... um, all these categories are so important, and wisdom is actually, as the father of the home, is getting with your wife and talking about these things and getting on the same page as for discipline, for the finances, for the relationship, because you got to be on the same page. It's so important that, that, you, that you both attack each one of these together and for and and I wanted to touch on the last subject of relationships. Um, you know, your kids will will model your behavior as a man and how you treat your wife. So if you disrespect her, what do you think they're going to do? How you treat your wife is so so important. And I said to myself, how I treat my wife is so important because others see it, and the kids see it. Um, wisdom. <clears throat> James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give wisdom generously without finding fault. And so wisdom for us uh, as a family is really just, you know, our relationship with God, you know, going to the word, uh, asking him, letting him be the foundation that, of everything that we do. And, you know, um, I'm grateful and so thankful, but we've been blessed because of these decisions that we made to follow God, to listen to wise counsel, um, to read the word and, and listen to it, listen to the Holy Spirit, all these things, it's, it's so important. Um, and your life will be better for it. You know, when we reject things and reject the word and say, oh, man, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do it this way, it doesn't turn out so well, you know. And so for, for young people, I mean, seek, seek God first in everything that you do. Um, so obviously my, uh, not obviously. So when I was 16, my father, uh, took his life. And so I didn't have that father figure in my life, but fortunately God had put a friend in my life and his dad was one of the pastors of the church we were going to. So I was able to build a relationship with him and he kind of stepped in for that for me. And so that, that's one way of getting wisdom, asking friends, running things by, you know, your friends asking, hey, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And instead of just being on an island by yourself, you know, uh, have those relationships where you can ask. And then when you do ask, don't be hurt by the answer because, you know, if you're asking, you want the truth, right? So, you know, some, you know what do they say? If you don't want the answer, don't ask the truth, right? So it's so important to do that and listen and pay attention. Pay attention to what what's, uh, people are, are saying to you. Get that feedback, you know. And the last thing uh, I'll end with is just be confident in who you are in Christ. Be confident. Know the word. Know where to stand as a father. And lead your family. Lead your family. Don't, don't, don't shrink away from it. Don't shy away from it. And lead them in love, you know. You can have strong love and, and, and do that. And so... I'll encourage you men, I don't know where you're at, but if you're at a place and you're like, man, I I failed all these years, man, you can start fresh right now. You can start today, okay? And God will bless it. He will redeem the time. He will redeem the time for you and your family. And I'm, I'm still believing for one of my brothers, okay? To come to the Lord. And he was raised. And, and, and I, I always look at that scripture. Train up a child in the way, way that they should go. He was raised the same way I was. But he's way over here in left field. But I'm still claiming the word. Yeah. 
that he will come. He'll come back. All right, I'll wrap it up. Um, just like Pat said, I mean, to me, when we talk about wisdom, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, something that was written thousands of years ago, you look in there and you look at what we've talked about. You look at about discipline, about money, about sex. Um, it's all in there, okay, how to deal with these things. And it's just as relevant um, today as it was back then. It really is. Um, there's nothing in there that I've found that can say, ah, that doesn't apply to this day and age because it still does. Um, so, so being in the Word, there's a couple themes that I like to bring up in Proverbs. One of them is, you know, listen to the instruction of your mom and dad and your father and mother um, if you want to be wise. Um, and, and for the most part, that's, that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if your mom, your dad isn't around, that's, you're probably going to have to find someone else um, to have that, be that father figure to find that instruction. Um, the other thing is you don't know everything. Listen. Be quiet. Listen. Um, and learn. I've learned something just by being on this panel from Jeff here. Um, Vance, no dating unless we're in groups and, and your parents are there. So I appreciate that, Jeff. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, but but always always realize you can learn somebody from something from, from everybody, whether it's I'm not going to do what that person did ever um, or, hey, that's some good information. I'm going to tuck that one away and use it when I need to use it. Um, there's always someone, something you can learn. Every opportunity, in my opinion, is a learning moment. Whether you're reading a book, whether you're getting together with a group of people, um, what can I what can I glean from that? So always have that learning spirit. That's it. All right, let's hear it for the boys. Okay, can we have all the uh, dads in the room stand and uh, come up here? We want you to line up in front. Don't, don't touch anything up here. Uh, just line up in front of these altars, and then we're going to let you pick some stuff later. He touched stuff. Um, so I want to read some of these scriptures to you while these dads are coming up here. Now remember, this is what David tells his son Solomon, and Solomon's passing it on to us. Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your, pe your feet from evil. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Stay away from her. Don't even go near her house. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. For the Lord sees what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed the guarantee of the debt of a stranger, if you've trapped yourself, you're caught by what you've said. Follow my advice and get out of it. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn, I mean, this is what he said his dad said to him. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor to rule over them to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering fruit, food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? If, if, Father, have you ever said any of these things to your children? Okay. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands, and then poverty will pounce on you. These are just a few. This is, this is chapter after chapter that Solomon is talking about David said to him. So why don't we have everybody stand with us? And um, we're going to pray over these guys. And then they can pick a uh, screwdriver or there's other things here, other choice. But I want to do one other thing. I want to give a few special tools away. Who is not the youngest in age, but who is the youngest in tenure of the fathers here? Whose, child, whose youngest child is less than one? Anybody? Josh, one, what, 15 months? Two in September? I was right on top of that. Anybody younger child than two in September? Okay, Josh, you get the special tools. It's a man hammer. <laughs> and then uh, you guys are going to be able to get this. We're going to pray for these guys. 
I'm going to pray for these dads. Again, the greatest thing in the world is being a dad. And it can be the most difficult thing, the most painful thing, too. It's still the greatest thing. All right, guys? Am I right? Am I right? Now let's pray. God, I thank you for these guys. Lord, I thank you for the, the, just the gift that you've given them of being a dad. Lord, it's bigger than they'll ever know. God, when we get to eternity, we'll begin to see the, full, the fullness, the amazingness of what being a father is. So, Lord God, I pray for every one of, uh, of us here, every one of us fathers, Lord, that we will, we will work hard to find the path that you have for us, that we will try to be like you, Jesus. That's a path that we want to take. God, I pray that these men will be great fathers in all ways. Fathers of young children, fathers of, of grown children, help them to be great fathers. We pray all of this ultimately for you, Lord, for your glory, and for your glory in our lives and in our children's lives. And then and in, as it continues to go forward, we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's hear it for these guys. Take them to lunch, do something. If nothing, just be really nice to them all day long. And uh, guys, grab tools. We'll see you guys. Have a great rest of your afternoon.